you have your Bibles, if you will, turn to the book of Luke, Luke chapter 1. We're going to continue looking at passages. The title of the series is the Songs of Christmas, and I will concede a, 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 a dear brother came up last week and pointed out that the... Uh, the, in the English or the English translation of the word, most often uh, in the both the Old and the New Testament is is said rather than sing. Um, but my thought in this whole series, is, because I think musically and lyrically, I hear these songs, even though they may be spoken, uh, they're put together such and in such prose that uh, you can't, I can't read them without thinking song. Uh, and so we're looking at another one. This one's a much shorter, probably the shortest of the, quote, songs uh, that we're going to look at. It's found in, in uh, Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 39, as we're going to look at the passage where Mary visits Elizabeth. If you would, please, in honor of the Lord's holy and inspired word, please rise and adhere the reading of God's word. It's found in Luke chapter 1, verses 39 through 45. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leapt in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our Lord endures forever. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. This is... a. Uh, uh, one of those passages we can easily sometimes kind of skip through during the Christmas season or in our general readings of the uh, of the word uh, it uh, we touched on it previous uh, in previous messages that Mary was told by Gabriel that her cousin Elizabeth was with child and and so now we see her uh, making this visit and we look at the passage and it begins in those days. Uh, and the fra- that phrase is a little uh, uh, vague in the sense of what does that mean in those days. It's the days following the annunciation of the angel. In the days in which she was, Mary had just learned that she was chosen by God to bear the Messiah. But she was still wrestling with that as we saw a few weeks ago. Wrestling with how could this be? Why me? The Spirit had come upon her, and now she was with child, though at the moment she probably didn't realize she was pregnant. Her cousin Elizabeth, she had already been told, was with child about six months along, and so uh, she is about a little more than halfway through her pregnancy, probably two-thirds of the way through. I'm horrible with math. I'll I'll accept that. For the people of that day, family was important. It was... The families were much more nuclear than they were today. I was asked earlier where I was from, and I'm a Navy brat. I'm from all over the place. Uh, my mother lives in the mountains of Virginia. My sister lives 
the next mountain over, about 10 minutes away. My brother lives in the D.C. area. My sister lives in New Jersey. We're spread out. Then when you get to my immediate family, my wife and I are here. My oldest is in Knoxville. Uh, my youngest is in Virginia. My second oldest is in New York. And, and then Daniel, our single son, is in Atlanta. We're spread all over the place. But for the most part in that day, families were fairly close together. But what we find in Mary and Joseph is that they were actually transplants. They, they weren't actually from Nazareth. They were living in Nazareth. Mary, we read in the passage, goes to see her, her cousin, Elizabeth. And now, literally filled with the Spirit, she goes to offer care and comfort to her cousin uh, in, her child, in her pregnancy. It was Elizabeth's first visitor that we're told of. Uh, in her five or six months of pregnancy. For we're, we're told elsewhere she was in seclusion for five months, which seems kind of odd to us. If you go back to Luke one twenty four, uh, after these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and for five months she kept herself hidden. She stayed in seclusion. And the question naturally is why would she be in, in seclusion for this time? And, and no reason is given us. We can speculate just a little bit. One is because of her age, uh, she may have gone into seclusion to get past the stage of a possible miscarry uh, or possible stresses that would cause problems with the pregnancy. Another might be to, uh, that she wanted to avoid the pressure of dealing with the stress of her husband's vision that he had had. She, she knew he had some kind of vision. If you remember, at this point, Zechariah can't speak. He had been made mute until the child was born. So... There's stress bearing down. Maybe it was just to get away from all of those stresses. Whatever the reason, the Lord didn't think it important enough to provide us an answer, just to tell us that it happened. Together, though, Mary and Elizabeth are wrestling through these things happening in their life and these changes and realizing that they're a part of something much bigger than just having a baby. Though at, this, at the moment, neither of them really knew what that was. They were part, uh, to be part of the fulfilling of the long-awaited prophecies about the Messiah with Elizabeth bearing the forerunner of the Messiah and Mary bearing the, the Messiah. Within this familial picture of joy, we see the sovereign hand of God at work. Two of the most unlikely people in the world being given the privilege of participating in the most extraordinary work of God since Moses and the burning bush. In our passage today, we must consider the prophetic blessing of Elizabeth because in her reaction and words, we see the sovereign hand of God at work in Mary's life and in hers. Look back at our passage in 39 through 41. We first see the leaping that led to filling in those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Elizabeth and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. So we read, Mary went with haste. She left immediately. After she heard about what was going to happen, she took off to see her sister. Now there's some, uh, she, where did she leave from? She left from Nazareth. We know that from the previous passage. Questions, though, is, uh, was Joseph there? Why, why would she leave from Nazareth? Well, they had not yet made the journey to 
to Bethlehem. The edict had not yet been given that they needed to go and be recorded with their family. So they're still living in the town where they resided. Another question would be, why would Elizabeth be so far from where they were, so close? Well, remember, Elizabeth had married Zacharias. Zacharias was one of the priests, and the priests or Levites had these towns that they lived in. We're not told what town in Judah. Uh, Some commentators speculate that it was probably Hebron, fairly close to Jerusalem, but uh, we don't know. Like Mary and Joseph, Elizabeth... uh, was a transplant also. And like many of us today, she wasn't and they weren't originally part or members or residents of the city in which they were living. Um, Many of us have arrived here in Sevierville or East Tennessee from somewhere else and have become part of the community, but we're not born in the community. Another question would be, did Mary make this dangerous journey all by herself? It probably, uh, and, and I'd have to go back and look at the map, but we're, we're only talking 60, 75 miles. Uh, for us, you know, that's an hour trip. Not, not that bad. We get in the car and we go and we don't even think about it. But in that day, remember, they didn't have the cars. They didn't have trains. They didn't have planes. This would have been a walk or a donkey or camel ride. Uh, would have taken probably not hours but days to get there. It would have been a slow trip. It would have been a dangerous trip. And unlikely that a single teenager would have been sent by themselves to make this trip. The likelihood is, is that at the very least, Joseph went with her. But if not Joseph, the rest of her families would have gone. This would have been a family event to go see the cousin, to go see... Uh, the relative in her uh, in her pregnancy it would have been a family trip. So we find Mary and the family entering in, and the common practice then, as is now in many places, was when you enter the room, you greet everybody in the room. I remember in 1984, I was in Peru on a, on a mission trip with South America Mission, and we were, we were encouraged during our pre-training to remember that, that whenever you go into a household, that you have to meet everybody there. And uh, they, they told us little things, like if the, if the mother or the wife was busy making dinner or something like that, they probably won't extend their hand. They'll, they'll re- lift up their elbow to you, and, and you were still expected to kind of shake their elbow. Uh, that was just common uh, greeting of, of the place. Uh, some places you go in, and some families are like this. You go in to meet everybody in the family, and you give everybody a kiss as you come through. Here, everybody comes in. Everybody's greeting. Uh, nothing out of the ordinary is happening. Uh, and more than likely, even at six months, Elizabeth, we're not told that Elizabeth was bedridden. So Elizabeth, those of you who've had children before know at six months, you still at least put the expectation on yourself. You got to keep the house up and do the things around the house. Elizabeth probably answered the door, came to the door, greeted everybody, and at Mary's greeting, the baby jumps. This was a physical noticeable leaping within. And again, those who've had children, you know that that feeling, particularly that first time when the baby makes that really big. I remember my wife just it taking 
taking her breath away sometimes, just gasps. Or this feeling, she would tell me, it feels like she's kicking my, my insides. You know, this physical noticeable jump when the baby moves so hard inside the womb. This wasn't a figment of Elizabeth's ma- imagination. She wasn't making it up this time. This was a physical reaction that came about immediately following Mary's greeting. Not anybody else's, just Mary's. It literally took her breath away. And Elizabeth knew that something at that moment had happened. For we read then, Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And oftentimes when we think of that phrase, filled with the Holy Spirit, our minds are immediately taken to what chapter? Acts chapter 2 and Pentecost. And we think that's when the Spirit comes. But here's an instance where the Spirit has come upon somebody even before there. Here Mary was filled. We read later that John was filled with the Spirit. And you could see the connection here. If Mary was filled and the baby was within her, within her, was this the point at which God filled John also with the Spirit? It's the first usage of this word in Luke's writings which he, we then see multiple times throughout, the, uh, throughout his writings. In Luke 1.15, we read that John the Baptist was to be filled with the Spirit. And this was part of the visitation or the foretelling of John the Baptist being born, for he will be great before the Lord. He must not drink wine or, dr- or dr- strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. Think about that. Months before this happened, the angel told Zacharias this was going to happen. And now we see the fulfillment of that brief little prophecy here in this greeting. She was literally filled with the Spirit at that time. What occurred at this point not only announced to Elizabeth the greatness of Mary's baby, but fulfilled these words of God about her own child. And yet, we have to remember that Elizabeth didn't even realize those words yet. Why? Because Zechariah had been, been made mute. And he may have written everything down. But she had not had that conversation. She had not had that. And now we see it all coming together. The sovereign working of the Lord, bringing the two together through the power of the Holy Spirit to bring about his glory. Mary is yet to see the connection, but Elizabeth knows that God is now powerfully at work in her life and in the life of her cousins. We can learn much about our own faith from these two women and their experience. In Proverbs 3, 5, we read, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. And then in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, we read, And I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. And we see God now doing this work within these two women and the babies in which they bear at this time, where they're realizing that this is bigger than us. This is more than we could ask or imagine. This is, this is something great is happening here, even though we don't really understand, don't even know what is really going on. Think about it for a moment. In the eyes of the world, Mary was too young. 
to be having a child. Elizabeth was too old to be having a child. And yet, here they are. God had announced to them through these angels that they both would be, be having a child who would be used for the glory of God. Neither knew why or understood how God was at work, but they trusted that he was at work. If you remember back uh, with uh, Mary's vision, she ends by saying, Behold, I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. She trusted, and Elizabeth was trusting. And from that we could see and, and learn that we should not think that God can't use us for any reason, but we should, we should trust that he will use us for his glory. How is the Lord using you for his glory today? I'm glad that we're all here to worship today, but the reality is we worship here together. We gather together for an hour or so on a Sunday, but the rest of the week you're out in the world, in your workplace, in your schools, in your homes, in your neighborhoods. And the question you need to think about as we think through this passage is, how is the Lord using me through all these other hours of the week? In my workplace, in my school, in my home, in my neighborhood, in the marketplace, wherever I may be. They understood, Mary and Elizabeth, God was at work. Do we understand that? God will, in his own way, make sure that you know that he is working. It probably won't be a personal meeting with the angel Gabriel like some of these folks had. For Elizabeth, she hadn't met the angel Gabriel. For her, the clarity began, began when the baby leapt in her womb. She began, she realized something different, something is going on here. For you, may, it may not be some miraculous meeting with heavenly dignitaries. It may be as simple as an everyday event that somehow turns into a, an extraordinary event. But look and expect God to be at work. A few years ago, I, uh, I started trying to open all of the meetings in our church with the question, what has God done in your life this week? And that may seem as kind of an innocuous question, but I had some folks come up a few weeks later and said, you know, you keep asking that question and I never thought about it. I've never said anything. But you know what's happened is over the course of the, these last few weeks, I've begun noticing God working in different places and in different ways I hadn't thought about before because it's created an awareness in my mind of is God at work and how is he working? Elizabeth here is, is seeing that happening in her life. This awareness now that God is at work. That if you, we were to ask her that question, Elizabeth, you know, how has the Lord been at work in your life in the last six months? She would have given us this story that's brought us to this point. To where we then read, she exclaims with a loud cry. She cries out. Now, again, I, I, I concede it doesn't say sing here. It doesn't say sang here. She cries out, exclaims in a loud cry. Uh, but uh, I know from uh, my family's Jewish background that often this, what we define as singing and, and the Jewish view of canting uh, are similar but different. For canting is often a loud lyrical cry 
that is made. If she cries out in this loud voice, and I think you can hear a song in it, blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. In that brief little exclamation, that brief little cry, that brief little encanto in the Spanish, we see Elizabeth speaking three blessings here that are remarkable. First, that Mary is blessed among women. Second, that the, the baby Mary bears is blessed among all men. And third, that Elizabeth herself is blessed just by being in their presence. Let's look first at the blessing of Mary. Well, up to this point, we have no record that Elizabeth has heard the whole story of Mary's conception. She, some, she knows that Mary's conceived. Natural question would be how? Well, we know that the baby leapt and that Elizabeth was filled with the Spirit. And at that time, we have to believe that the Spirit impressed that upon her. That the Spirit let her know. She realizes that Mary's conception was some kind of miracle making her unique, one of a kind among the women of the day. And that her birth, her giving birth will go down in history. She is blessed among women and blessed is the fruit of the womb. Mary is blessed because of the privilege for only one person in all of history will bear the Messiah. And Mary has been given that privilege. In the original Hebrew root, Miriam is her name, which means, if you're familiar with the story of the sister of Moses, and there it means bitter or rebellious. But now Mary, uh, the shorter version of that name conveys the meaning of beloved. And her name tells the story of the blessing that she is and that she has. She is beloved because she is the mother of Jesus Christ, our Savior, the Messiah. First promised after an act of rebellion, not uh, now coming in an act of love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believes shall not perish, but have everlasting life. So Mary is blessed among all others because she was chosen for this specific purpose. But the baby, secondly, the baby is blessed too. Elizabeth and the power of the Spirit realizes what the world has yet to realize, that this is no ordinary baby that Mary carries. She realizes without being told by Mary, what had gone on yet, she realizes that Mary is carrying the Messiah. Look at the language, 42b. Blessed is the fruit of your womb. And then the very next verse, she says, And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? 
she realizes and then gives this blessing to this child without any foreknowledge of what was happening. I, I find that just incredible. For this baby, she's saying to Mary, Your, this baby, baby is extraordinary because he's the Savior, the long-awaited Messiah, the one we've been waiting for since the beginning of creation. A blessing from God. And when we read that word, the mother of my Lord, he's, she's not speaking of a, a, an earthly dignitary, a king or a prince, but speaking uh, here of God. And then while she is of the Davidic lineage, she's not speaking of an earthly rule as we see promised to David um, and, and his descendants, but, also, but of the heavenly rule that was also promised to David, but was not fully understood by most of the Davidic kings after. That this child would fulfill what had been prophesied, not minutes, hours, or even days ago, but eons before. Elizabeth speaks to the front end of Jesus' life what Thomas speaks at the end of Jesus' life. When Thomas, seeing the risen Lord and being told to put his fingers into the holes in his hands and his hand into the side, says, My Lord and my God of Jesus Christ in John 20, 28. This is no ordinary child. This is the Messiah, the Lord. God incarnate, the epitome of blessing now come to earth. And as she's making this pronouncement, this loud cry, Elizabeth now has her own Isaiah moment where she is blessed. By Isaiah moment, I think of the Isaiah in the throne room of God in Isaiah chapter 6, when Isaiah realizes his own inadequacy, he cries out and says, Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts, in Isaiah 6, 5. And at this moment, Elizabeth is realizing that she is in the presence of the Almighty in a way that no one else ever has been or ever will be. I could see her, this is my own picture, in my own mind, I see her not only exclaiming these blessings, but as she's exclaiming them, falling down to her knees in an act of, uh, of worship, not of Mary, but of the child. She's realizing that this is no longer just cousin Mary that's come to see her, but this is the bearer of the heavenly Messiah, the promised Prince of Peace, the Son of God. And she lifts praise to the Lord. She realizes at that moment that what God has done for her is twofold. She bears the forerunner of the Messiah the Elijah to come, the figure that all of Israel was waiting for because that person was to be the sign that the Messiah was coming. But that she's also in the presence of that very same Messiah, the future king, the savior, that her son would be the voice ushering in. 
she finds herself at that very moment in a place of double blessing. Blessed for what she has and blessed by what she now knows and sees right before her. What could we, uh, uh, what can we learn from Elizabeth to be satisfied with these blessings? First, we see and we know and we can learn that to rest in what God has provided for us, the blessings that he has given us. You've heard the old phrase, don't look a gift horse in the mouth. God has blessed us in so many ways. Sometimes we take them for granted and we forget. But here, as we see in Elizabeth's life, we can apply to ours to rest in that. God has blessed us. Look and see those blessings and rest in them. But also look forward to the great blessing of eternal life that he's called us. The blessings we have here on earth are but just a figment, a small picture of the glory that we will experience in glory in heaven in that final day. So let us rest in these blessings, but know that they're not final. But help us carry us forward to see what God will do in that final day. And that's the blessing of Advent. As we gather to celebrate the birth of the Christ child and we look forward to the Advent where we celebrate the Advent of the first coming of Christ, but we look forward to the Advent of the second coming of Christ. It is a twofold blessing given to us. And so at this time, look for those, that blessing. And I encourage you sometime in the next week or so when you sit down with family to spend some time recalling what you have and looking forward to what you will receive. To the parents, to parents, all parents, it's hard sometimes when you sit down with your children and life has been rough and, and you're struggling uh, or they're struggling to, to offer words of encouragement, but don't forget the grace and mercy of God, our precious Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Don't forget the gospel. I encourage you to preach the gospel to yourself every day when you wake up. Thank God for the grace that he has given to you in the life that you have in Jesus Christ. And share that with your children. You don't have to be the the picture of the Bible thumper that everybody fears. Just share with them the grace, the blessing that God has given you in them. And share with them that not only are you blessed by your children, but you look forward to the final blessing of the day of salvation when we will be reunited together. And that is why you pray for their salvation every day. That is why you desire them to be in church regularly. That is why you desire them to know the Christ that you know. Because you want to enjoy their blessed presence now. But even more, you want to enjoy their blessed presence then. The, third, the last thing I want to look at is, is this belief leading to fulfillment. Verse 45 gives us the final pronouncement of Elizabeth. And blessed is she who believed that there would be fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. That one verse has got just a bunch bound up in it, doesn't it? 
This blessing is not about a thing received, but the faith believed. I'm sure that in the days following the pronouncement made here by Elizabeth to Mary, that she was wondering and questioning, what does all this mean? How is all this happening and applied to me? I don't think for a moment, and I don't think we sh- any of us should, that she instantly began experiencing morning sickness and other signs of early pregnancy as soon as Elizabeth made this known. I don't think she instantly understood what was going on. That was a, a process through this whole pregnancy that would come about where things would start to be made real. Here, she's, she's only days away from, from when the Spirit had overshadowed her, shadowed her in Luke one thirty five. She's still trying to figure out what's happening. She's still trying to understand what did all of that mean. But in an instant, from these few words of Elizabeth's, she learned the angel was right. She is with child. Elizabeth announced it to her. All she had done was say hello, and Elizabeth knew, and now announces it to her, the fulfillment of what the angel had told her just a couple days before. That's powerful, is it not? The fact that not only was she pregnant, but now she bore a special child. And again, Elizabeth knew this somehow. Here's Mary. How did Elizabeth know this? But through the power of the Holy Spirit. She knew, for she announced, the mother of my Lord. I hope you caught the personal aspect of that. That even here, prior to Christ's coming, living and dying and, and rising again, she made a profession of faith in him as Messiah, as Lord and Savior. And then, in these very words that, that Elizabeth shared to her, there's the remembrance of the words of Gabriel. Again, how did Elizabeth know, apart from the Holy Spirit, that the angel had come to Mary? Because at this point, all Mary had said to her was hello. And yet, look, and blessed is she who believed that there would be fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Powerful. reminding Mary of what she had heard earlier in verses 31 through 33. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, and he will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Elizabeth, in that brief moment there, Confirm from Mary what she now, we're told, believes is true and right. So that from this point on, Mary is not struggling with her belief, but is building upon that belief, growing in that faith. From this point on, there are no longer any questions of how can this be or should we have the baby. But from now on, we see Mary doing what she had told the angel in verse 38. I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. From this point on, we see a devout faith in Mary. Even into her old age. 
asking, what does the Lord desire of me? For we read that her belief led to, her, led to fulfillment. And it leads me to ask, how is the Lord at work in your life? Growing your faith and your belief. I pray that this Advent season would be a time that you realize that your faith is leading you to the eternity promised to Mary and to each of us. That you're reminded of the fullness of your faith. Yes, I'm saved. I'm saved from what? I'm saved from self. I'm saved from sin. I'm saved from Satan. But I don't see the fullness of that sin until, of that salvation until when? Until the fullness of our salvation is, is seen by us on that final day. We have a forward look even as we come to think back. While we were condemned to death because of our sin, for Paul writes to the Romans, all have sinned and fallen short of his glory and the wages of our sin is death. We have been given the greatest gift, our Savior Jesus Christ who despite us, as Paul later writes, who God demonstrates his own love towards us and that while we were still sinners, while we were still condemned, while we were still worthy of death, Christ died for us. He came that we would receive the greatest gift we could receive at any time of celebration. Because while the wages of sin, of de- sin is death, The free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. This Christmas, the free gift is offered to all of us through Jesus Christ. Have we received it? Will we receive it? And if we have received, will we share it? It's not like the fruitcake Christ's love, his grace, his mercy, and his salvation last for eternity. We only think the fruitcake does. It just doesn't. Christ does. Have you received that gift? If not, receive it today. Let me pray with us and for us. Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters present here. I pray, O Lord, that if there's anyone here today who has not received the gift of life through Jesus Christ, that today would be the day of their salvation. But Father, for those of us who have, may we, like Mary and Elizabeth, come to a fuller understanding of the salvation we have through Jesus Christ. Be at work in us and through us for the glory of your kingdom and the building of your church, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.